Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Monday, February 4th, 2019. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Stacy and Natalia, and we are going to talk about time travel. Hello, ladies. Hello. Good evening. Natalia, come close. You sound so far away. What did I do? Why? There you go. That's better. Just like that. (laughs) I I think I was going back in time. Oh. (laughs) You just interrupted my... my... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You drew her back from the precipice. You see that? I did. I almost went back and she just grabbed me. I said, wait, come back. That's ridiculous. This is... So... We're going to talk about books in which people go back in time, but I don't think we are actually going to go ourselves. I think we're Sad. just going to like stay here, but we'll talk about books where people move around in time. Um, one of my favorite analogies from something I read for this episode is that time is like a slinky. <laughs> <laughs> what, it stretches and compresses? Yes, exactly. Like a wing. Yeah, like a slinky. Time is like a slinky. <sighs> That is a quote from the fantastic Amy Harmon. But anyway, before we dive in. Yes. (laughs) I'm keeping all of my ARC-related comments about you to myself, Shannon. Oh, guys, yes. She has the ARC for the Amy Harmon I do, and I'm going to talk about it later. Because it's great. She does, and she's going to talk about it later because it's great. Okay, sorry. Let's get back to the, like... And people all about time travel, <laughs> so I can talk about it. Oh my god! Anyway, <laughs> before we talk about it or anything else, I just want to remind people that you can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page. You can also join the Facebook group where you can chat with us as well as other listeners. If you would like to get a hold of us for any reason, if you have a question, a comment, if you'd like a book recommendation, if you would like to give us a book recommendation, um, pretty much anything at all, you can do that via Facebook or by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. We would certainly love to hear from you. And I think that's all I have. So... Shall I start us off with time travel and then Stacy and we'll let Natalia be last because she likes it. Sounds good to me. All right. So my first pick is the very first time travel novel that I read as an adult. You know, there's a lot of like time travel books when you're a kid. Like there's like the Lois Duncan, you know, yep. Locked in Time. And oh, that's so good. It was very good. A Wrinkle in Time? Uh, there's that too, Madeline <laughs> Langle. But this was the first one that I read as an adult. And this is Kindred by <gasps> Octavia E. Butler. Oh, and I kind of went back and forth about whether I should talk about this because it was actually written in like 1976, I think, or 1979. Um, but it is like such a time travel classic that I couldn't not mention it. I also think that it's still in print. So it is, yeah. I read it I... My, in literature in high school, which wasn't that long ago. So, yes. Still in print. So, this is the story of Dana. And Dana is a, 
an African-American woman in her 20s. And she's married. And one day, she just sort of disappears. And she's shot back in time. And she doesn't really understand what's happening. But she realizes pretty quickly that she's supposed to save the life of a white child, this little boy. So she does this. And periodically, she is moved back in time to save this person's life. And she sees him at all different points um, in his life, from the time that he's like a really young child to an adult. And what you learn is that he is the plantation owner who ended up um, fathering one of her ancestors. So this is a really deep look at slavery, but in, in a different way. Like we're not, you know, spending all of the time on the plantation the way that we would in like something like Roots or um, even like, you know, Gone with the Wind where you're, where you're in that time period pretty constantly. We are instead moved back and forth from like the antebellum South to present day. Mm-hmm. And we see how a modern woman really is touched by slavery and how she is, is able to kind of internalize that and process it. It's not an easy read. There are some kind of graphically violent scenes that probably won't appeal to everyone, um, nor should they. But it is a book that I'm so glad I read. And it's a book that I will read um, again and again, just because Butler's writing is so, so amazing. So this again is Kindred, and it is by Octavia E. Butler. If you haven't read it, please do. Yes, such a fabulous, fabulous book. It was yes. so good. I, I remember the teacher told us to read like one to three, and by the time I caught, got back, I'm like, I finished. Yes, so it was so great good. because while everybody else was reading, I could do something, read something else. But um, yes, I think, I think it's really great. At it, it talks about racial issues back in slavery time, which we've all read about, you know, at one point or another, whether in class and short stories as, as being educated in this country or whether we've chosen to read it. But one thing that it touches on, in my opinion, that other books don't touch on so much is how that affects modern day. Mm-hmm. Literally seeing it back and forth and back and forth, which I thought was really cool. It certainly was. Yes, yes. It was really great. I need to try that. I haven't read it before. You must. Okay. So one of the books that I um, read for this episode specifically was one that I've been sort of hesitating to read for a long time because the, the reviews have been very mixed and I wasn't sure if I would enjoy it. But the reason why I decided to read it is because it's the first in a series and each book in the series gets progressively higher ratings and better reviews. And so the, the first book kind of describes a lot, you know, kind of lays the, the foundation for the rest of the series. So I felt like I had to start with this one. So the book is called The Ruby Brooch, the Celtic Brooch series, book one, and it is by Catherine Lowry Logan. And I can't decide if I really like this book or if there were too many things that frustrate me about it. So the premise is that there is a woman in about 2012 and she uh, is the lone survivor of 
a car wreck that took um, her parents and a very close friend. And when going through family papers and things, she finds a trunk with a letter to her that she's never read from her father, basically saying that actually she is a child from another time and that he was actually able to time travel back to this time because when she appeared on his doorstep, she had a, um, a blood covered shawl wrapped around her um, and she had a locket and she had this old ruby Celtic brooch. Um, and when her father looked at the brooch or this man who's been her father all of her life um, and said the words that were written on the brooch, suddenly he was back in Independence, Missouri in 1852. And so he, he believes that that is from whence she came. And so she is, um, you know, really struggling with that um, and doesn't really know what to do and is kind of like, uh, you know, so she ends up um, kind of putting together the pieces like, oh, that's why my parents made me grow up, you know, doing these like pioneer reenactments and why I <laughs> know, right? And why I had to learn how to cook over a campfire and how I, why I had to learn how to drive a covered <laughs> wagon because they knew that one day she potentially was going to go back in time um, to this same era um, to kind of, you know, solve the mystery of who she actually is. And um, her name is Kit. I was, I've been blanking on her name this whole time, um, but her name is Kit. So Kit ends up planning ahead and, um, you know, gathering everything into her covered wagon that she owns as one does with her oxen that she owns as one does in her stallion. And she ends up going back in time um, with all of these things in her covered wagon. And somehow her golden retriever and a pet cat come along for the adventure. Um, a time traveling cat. I and, want one. I know. And dog. Anyway, she ends up back in Independence, Missouri, back in 1952 to take this wagon train um, to where there was a mention of um, a baby um, at this certain point along the wagon train's journey to Oregon. And she decided, it was, I think it was the Oregon Territory that, and she decides she's going to go and figure that out because she thinks the baby might be her. And along the way, she meets and falls in love with this um, Scottish lawyer who's bound for San Francisco, who's helping lead the wagon train. And together, they're going to solve a bunch of mysteries about her past and do some other things. And I really actually, um, I like the writing a lot. I think it's pretty good um, that the... The main issues that I have with this book are the fact that she brought so many things with her from, from her time. Um, like medic, she's a paramedic by the way, and she's a brown belt in karate and she can ride racehorses. And, you know, I mean, if anyone in real life was as kick-ass as this woman is, um, you know, we don't want to. I'm just glad she brought the Labrador. Well, the, the golden retriever. Yes, she totally did. The golden. Yeah. The golden retriever. And so she brings back like all these medications and, you know, she brings back a solar charger for her iPod and she brings her iPhone to look up information that she's downloaded. I, I would um, probably do that. You know, so, but, and the only reason why, cause this really bothered people about this book, but the reason why it was a little bit more credible to me is because she had time to plan ahead before she went back in time. And a lot of books, right. they just all of a sudden end up there, but she was able to plan ahead. Um, so I actually like this book and I'm going to proceed to the next in the series. Um, but I, I felt like I like the characterizations um, most of, you know, overall, my main issue was um, she um, waited to, um, to be intimate with anyone. Let's say um, she's 25. She had an event that caused her to not be ready for a long time. 
And um, when she is with her, um, the, the, the hero of the book for the first time, it talks about how um, he has to breach her maiden head. And I'm very distressed that authors in 2012 are still writing about maiden heads because what the hell, they don't exist. Plus she's a modern woman who rides horses all the time. There ain't one there. But anyway, besides that and all the like anachronistic things that happen, I actually really enjoyed this book and we'll definitely continue with the series. They all go to different um, points in American history. And so I think it's kind of interesting. So again, this book is called The Ruby Brooch and it's by Catherine Lowry Logan, the Celtic Brooch series, book one. I want to read this. Yeah, I, I kind of do too, but I don't I know. know if I'll be like <laughs> amused or kind of annoyed. I, I don't know. Because I, I feel like I'm making it sound like a book, like don't read this. And I, I don't feel that way about it. I'm really enjoying, you know, I, I really enjoyed this book and, you know, it, there's enough compelling about it that I want to continue the series, but I don't know. Come on, Shannon, you and I, if we went back in time, you know, we would take our streams and our chargers and our iPads. <laughs> Yeah, take the iPad back in time would be great. Yeah, yeah. and I your mean, solar charger. And, yes, my solar charger that I'll have to, like, get because I don't have to. We'll have to buy it on Amazon. Yep. Yes, before we go. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't care about internet or my cell phone. But you know what would be cool, God, I though? The books. I, I feel like, yeah, we need the books. The addiction, I cannot survive without the books. And, like, back in time, blind people, there was no braille, okay? Totally. Mm-hmm. 1852 not, not like yeah now so. yeah and I, I read too fast i don't think i could have somebody read out loud to me that would like stress me out so i well, need the to... book options be like really yeah limited. there'd be too many morality 18, tales 52 <laughs> too many women writing as men and stuff yeah not but, enough yeah. sexy times sorry I, I think i'd have to stay in well you could times. i mean i'm sure she has enough sexy times with her scottish warrior. well she I totally does it. yeah I could yeah. dig it, but so. <laughs> oh, what would be really good would be a time travel book where you could you could go back in time, but somehow your cell phone's in your pocket and it still has access to the internet. And you could see what's happening where you're where you left. You know, like you could still look Whoa. at old stuff ah, and text I... people, even though you're like in the 19th century. <laughs> I don't know how they could make that work, but it would be a cool thing. I haven't seen that done. No, no, no. But it'd be cool. So yeah, authors, if you're listening, here's an idea. <laughs> Because I'm too lazy to write a book. Yeah, someone write this book. Yeah, please. Please write this book. So speaking of Scotland, the next book I'm going to talk about is very popular. It is, you've heard of it. If you haven't heard of it, you've seen it on commercials, you've seen it on TV, you've seen it on YouTube ads. I mean, there's no way you have not heard of this. I am currently working on my father trying to get him to watch the show i got him into game of thrones it took forever but now he's obsessed and i want this to be his next obsession because i think it's better and this is outlander by diana gabaldon what's that i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) he has probably the longest book we have talked about in this podcast and to quote the author and i definitely it actually made me want to read it um you know reading this on her website but she's absolutely right you know take the book read any three pages in the whole book and if after three pages you can stop reading it's not for you i thought that was really cool so outlander is time travel it's about claire beecham she's a nurse and world war ii is over so she's reunited with her husband after world war ii and they decide to go to a second honeymoon in the british isles and everything is going really well. They're touring. They're having fun. And then she accidentally goes to these 
stones, uh, these standing stones, and she falls and she lands in another time, 1743. And of course, that's crazy. Um, imagine she's not even dressed for the time, starting with that. She doesn't know why she's there or even how to get out of there. And she has to figure out how to integrate herself with these people um, from another time, another place. And also then she meets James Fraser, who is just someone that's really tempting her. So she's like, what do I do? Should I, am I faithful to my husband? Do I forget I have a husband? Because I don't know if I'm going to ever go back to him because I don't know how to get back to the future. What happens? And to find out what happens, you will have to read it. I'm not doing it justice. Um, it's the kind of book that you really don't put down. It is uh, a seven course meal because it's long, but you know, <laughs> Shannon knows I don't like long books and I read those. And I think that, it's such a good time travel, probably one of the most well-researched uh, or more most realistic time travel books I've read because, you know, she kind of thought of everything that you just don't have um, in time. And if you went back in time and, and what you would make do with. I mean, I don't think about time travel until like, you know, the electricity goes after a hurricane. <laughs> and then I'm like, I should have bought a bigger charger pink. <laughs> but you know it, it's so true how many things we have in the modern world even in you know even 1945 would be right. back in time for us of course none of us were thought of in 1945 but you can imagine I mean this is even before the this is back when you know people didn't even eat potatoes they threw them away can you imagine and you know the way that they would war and just so many cool things so this is Outlander by Diana Gabaldon read it watch the show do both things um, they are Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. I so do. I'm... Sorry, go. Oh, I love this. Um, I love Outlander and I love Dragonfly and Amber. I then read Voyager and I found myself kind of sighing and rolling my eyes a lot. So I think I'm done. But the well, first two are, are amazing. So my next pick is another kind of planned time travel novel, kind of like what Stacey's talking about. This is the Jane Austen Project, and it is by Kathleen A. Flynn. And to be upfront with everyone, I am not this book's target audience. I am not a Jane Austen fan, but the synopsis of this book intrigued me, so I picked it up. And, you know, I'm glad I did, but I think for people who love Jane Austen, you will be the people who love this, like, far more than I, I ever could. So this is the story of Rachel. And Rachel is a doctor from an unspecified point in time, like in the future. We, we don't know when it is exactly, but she works for this organization and they, they travel back in time and attempt to learn things. They, they use the knowledge that they have of the future and try to use it to like influence the past so Rachel and her colleague are supposed to travel back to the time right before Jane Austen was diagnosed with an illness that would end up um, being fatal. And while they're back in time, they're supposed to get their hands on this manuscript of a novel called The Watsons. And they're huh. supposed to take it back with them to their, to their own time. So this is kind of a, a romp through, like, you know, the, the time when, when Jane Austen was very popular. Um, 
when she was living with um, her sister and her, her brother. She spent a lot of time with both of them. So this is one of those books that is very, very slow moving. It's, it's quiet. There's not a lot of, you know, high action. It's definitely a character development book. And it's a book that really revels in the amount of research that the author has done into Austin's life. We don't get to know a lot about the science of time travel. Like we don't know how it is that these people are able to travel back in time um, and how it is that they can affect the the past in the way that they can we just know that that the world works this way so if you're a person who wants to really understand how time travel works this won't work for you but if you're just looking for a fantastic story that could you know give you a, a bit of a glimpse into what jane austen might have been like when she was alive you will most likely enjoy the jane austen project by kathleen a flynn I have to preface my next pick by just reminding everyone how much I hate the young adult genre. Um, (laughs) Because in case I haven't announced it before, like I really don't care for young adult fiction. It's not my thing. Um, Uh It actually makes me kind of want to yank out my hair or somebody else's or punch someone in the face. Um, But I have to say, when I find a gem in the young adult genre, it is a gem. And it's something that I am hugely obsessed with. Um, And in this case, it is a book I stumbled across by complete accident um, when I was looking through the Audible Romance package for something to read. And this book is called Marking Time, The Immortal Descendants, Book One, and it's by April White. And if you haven't read this book yet, please run out tonight. Like, as soon as you're listening to this podcast, please run out and buy this book because it is like the most amazing thing. Or you can also get it in the romance package um, if you are an audible.com person and you have the package. But anyway, it's amazing. And the narrator is so kick-ass. Like, I don't know why I don't know her. She was fabulous. So this book is about Syra. And Syra is 17. So that was my first, like, cringeworthy thing. But anyway. Are you sure it's not Naira? No, it's Syra. (laughs) And Syra is 17, and she's living in L.A. with her mother. And every couple years, her mother just, like, up and vanishes for, like, a week or two. And when her mom returns, they always, like, quickly um, whirlwind move to a different place uh, and move away from where they live. And so Syra has stopped making friends. She doesn't really, like, connect with anyone at school. And at night, she does this thing called free running. Is that what it's called, free running? Anyway, she runs as fast as she can, but instead of, like, running around obstacles in her path, she figures out, like, how to either leap them or climb them to take the most direct path. And so she's out free running, and she's also basically a graffiti artist. So she's um, decided she's going to um, to do some artwork um, in, in, a, in a building. Anyway, she almost gets trapped and kidnapped by these random people who are calling her clocker and she's like I don't even know what that is and she makes it home um to her empty apartment because her mother has gone on one of her vanishing episodes and her apartment's been ransacked so the only option she has if she doesn't want to go into foster care because she had to you know get the police involved the only option she has is to go to England to stay with her incredibly chilly grandmother who basically kicked her mother and Syra out of her life when Syra was a young child. Huh. 
So she goes to England and she like meets this grandmother and who's very proper and like wants her to dress for dinner. And Syrah's like, I'm not doing that. And anyway, so she, um, she's like kind of, you know, looking around the estate one night cause she can't sleep. And all of a sudden someone is chasing her through the woods around the estate. And she is rescued by this really attractive young man in a really amazing fast car and he takes her to the train station um, and she's being chased and she ends up taking a train to another station and she's been she's been trapped there by these people who are bad and just as she is about to like you know panic she sees um this this spiral that someone has drawn and she just is like so compelled she can't figure out why but she has to touch it and when she touches it, she is then compelled to trace the whole design. And people are like coming at her yelling like clock her and grab her. And just as they're reaching out to grab her, all of a sudden she's still in the same alcove, but now in, in, um, in one of the train stations in London, but all of a sudden now it's 1888, but she doesn't know that at first. Um, oh. So she's back in this time and she um, is out on the street and she ends up um, meeting this, young man who looks very similar to the man that she met, um, you know, earlier that evening in his, you know, fantastic sports car. And they have this evening in London where they're walking around London together and they stumble upon one of the fresh kills of Jack the Ripper. Oh, okay. So I'm making this way more involved than it needs to be. So let's suffice it to say, um, in this book, Syra discovers that she is, um, a descendant of one of five immortals and the immortal that she is descended from has the ability to time travel. And so in this book, she moves between 1888 and um, I don't know, I think it's 2014 um, her time to kind of figure out um, what happened to her mother who has completely vanished. And um, she meets these amazing friends. She ends up at a uh, boarding school for, um, descendants of the five immortal families and uh, yes the whole thing she falls in love yes this is probably the most amazing book if i hadn't had to read other things there's five books in the series um i've read i read the first two books in like three days and i really want to start on book three but i had to be responsible and pick up something else but you know she yeah you know sometimes you have to yeah but she um anyway throughout the course of this book she kind of figures out what her abilities are and she also kind of learns like the power of friendship and um, there's a really beautiful kind of first love love story and just magic and mayhem and serial killers and time travel. So if you want a truly amazing book um, and I'm not doing it justice by my rambling description, please pick up Marking Time, The Immortal Descendants, book one by April White. You will not be disappointed. I want this. I want this now. Well, to preface what I'm going to talk about, um, I'm going to say that maybe I'm naive, but when I picked up this book, mind you, I waited for this book for so long, and when it came out, I stayed up all night reading it. But when I picked it up, I didn't know it was going to be a time travel book. But, you know, I have to tell you that it's time travel because you're going to know since this is a time travel episode. But I kind of feel sad because I feel like I'm spoiling it for you. I know. <laughs> Since I just said it was time travel, but you can't not talk about this book. I know that I was surprised when I, I read it. I never expected it to be that. But 
alas, you must pick it up. It is called The Dream Daughter by the Queen, the Master, Diane Chamberlain. And this book, actually, it's very new. It just came out, what, in October Mm of 2018? And this book takes place in 1970, and it's about Caroline Sears. She's pregnant, and she's going for her normal, you know, checkup. She's about six or seven months along. But um, they tell her that her daughter has a heart defect and that most likely when she's born, she will not survive. So, you know, it's very sad. I didn't even know that in 1970 they had technology that could tell you that. So I learned something. Yeah. <laughs> something new. But so she goes home. She's devastated by this. But her brother-in-law doesn't seem to be phased by it. Uh, her brother-in-law is very nice. Everybody loves him. You know, he's kind of mysterious because he has no friends, no family, but he's been a great addition to their family. And he tells her that her daughter does not have to die, that there is a cure. But she has to take a leap of faith and trust him in order to find this cure that could possibly save her daughter. And I don't want to say any more because I feel like I've spoiled it enough and I'm already mad at myself. But this is The Dream Daughter by Diane Chamberlain. Just such a fabulous book about children, mothers, family, sisters, time. And it was such a unique spin on time travel, I think. I've never read something like that one. And I, I it's actually the easiest kind of time travel. I wish the way that they time traveled was the way we could time travel. It'd be cool. I think I'd be afraid, though, to jump off, like, the highest point that you... Like, yeah, I probably would. <laughs> I wouldn't want to jump off some, like, high building and hope that I... I know, no. Don't and die. I'm, I'm pregnant now. I can't imagine, like, like purposely going up to the highest building with, you know, my big pregnant belly and just jumping. Like, oh, my God, what if I fall? And what, what about the baby? But that no, fabulous the, story. The dream daughter is so, so good. So good. I love it. So now let's talk about something else I love. I love... The plague. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Which one? Isn't the bubonic one your favorite? Yes. Yeah. Okay. But yes. you like the Spanish influenza epidemic stories too, right? Oh, I, yes. I oh, kind yes. of, I like to read those because they and make me so nervous. What about <laughs> love in the time of cholera? Isn't that your thing? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> no. Too classic for you. Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> so I like the plague. So the Doomsday Book by Connie Willis is a spectacular novel about time traveling back to the 14th century and the bubonic plague. <laughs> so this is the first book in Connie Willis's Oxford time travel series. And so far, this is the only one I've read, although she has a couple where people travel back in time to World War II, and those really excite me as well, but I haven't read them yet. So this is the Doomsday book. I've read it twice I love everything about it. It's huge, and it's one of those books you can just, like, sink into, and you never, ever want to come out. So our heroine is Kivrin, and Kivrin is a student at Oxford, and she is living late in the 21st century, and she is going to do a study on the bubonic plague. And so she's able to travel back in time. Of course, she's very well inoculated against all the diseases that she could possibly get, um, you know, back in the 14th century because 
it wouldn't make sense to go there and get the plague and die. Right. So she goes and, you know, she's had to do some, some studying so that she understands the, the customs of the time. And she had to create a backstory for herself. She's a woman traveling alone. And that certainly is not um, something common back then. But then she, she gets back to the 14th century and all these people are falling ill. And suddenly she realizes that she cannot get back again. That oh. something has happened between, like, the time that she left her time and the time that she actually needs to return to. Like, there is a problem, and she cannot get back to mm-hmm. the time in which she was born. And there are instructors who are living in the 21st century who are desperately trying to bring her back. But there's this catastrophic event that I won't tell you about that is keeping them from doing that. And so Kivrin is stuck back in plague time and people don't quite know what to make of her they don't know did she bring the plague to them or is she like an angel sent from god to help them like who is she so this is a fantastic novel a wonderful mix of kind of historical fiction and fantasy um i loved it so so much and I definitely encourage people to read it. This was written back in 1992. So again, it's, it's an older book. But if you haven't picked it up, please do so. Again, it is the Doomsday Book, Oxford Time Travel, book one by Connie Willis. So I feel like I wouldn't survive. Not listening to this, this premise about this book, I feel like I wouldn't survive <laughs> back in time because... You know, no. you always read these time travel books and these people know so much about medicine and about, you know, what plants will work and like they figure it out. But, mm-hmm. you know, I know about modern medicine, but I have no idea about anything else. Like no. herbs and stuff. Honestly, between the thought of plague and the poor hygiene, I wouldn't last three hours. As much as like I love to read romanticized versions of time travel. I like to read it in my 21st century office with my essential oil diffuser going and my comfortable life and my rat-free existence. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do well back in time. I, it's it's funny because when I read about like the sexy times in, in the romance books that are historical, I'm like, but, but they haven't taken a shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's no 25. one brushes their teeth. Exactly. Like, so... You know, that's actually the perfect segue um, for me to talk about the next book that I read for this. Um, and it's it's called um, The Thornless Rose by Morgan O'Neill. And it's Elizabethan time travel book one. And have either of you read this book? Nope. No, I haven't. It's interesting. Here, it's, it's, um, I really enjoyed it. And the thing I enjoyed the most is how well researched the authors. So it's a it's a um, two authors um, make up the, the pen name of Morgan O'Neill. And you can tell they did a lot of research about the time and about certain customs of the time. Um, so to, to try to keep this brief, because tonight is my night to ramble, apparently, um, <laughs> to keep this brief. Um, so in the beginning of the book, we know that um, this young woman, um, and I'm, I'm, her, Anne, her name is Anne, and she has gone, she's, a, she's an American history teacher, um, and she has come to London to visit her grandmother as she does every summer. And uh, she finds a trunk of, of items up in her grandmother's attic. Um, and one of the things that she finds are, is a picture of this man who is very intriguing to her. And she shows it to her grandmother and finds out that um, 
before her grandmother and grandfather got married, her grandmother was actually at the very end of uh, 1945, just after the end of World War II, she was engaged to someone else. But one day, one day her fiance um, in the middle of an English pub just vanished into thin air and no one ever really knew what happened to him. He was just gone. And so, you know, this is very intriguing to Anne and she starts going to the places where um, he was last seen back in the forties. And all of a sudden, like she would have these experiences where she would all of a sudden, you know, hear voices saying things that were not normal for the time. Or like one time she heard this woman telling people to move because she was about to dump her shit out of an upstairs window. And that's really how, yeah. And she's like, what is happening to me? I'm like losing my mind. And she was in a cathedral and all of a sudden this monk was there telling her basically that she was, you know, from the devil with the way that she was dressing. And it was very strange. And she kept having these experiences. And when she talked to her grandmother about them, her grandmother started panicking and said, this is what happened to my beloved Johnny, her Jonathan Brandon, who was a doctor. Um, right before he vanished, he was having these like episodes of, you know, moments where he would slip into a different time. And that day in the pub was the last time and he just never came back. So her grandmother, again, this is one of those plan ahead time travel trips where she was able to arm her with things like penicillin and, you know, other things that would help her back in um, the 16th century. And so Anne ends up one day in the middle of eating an ice cream cone with her grandmother in the middle of crowded London, like in plain sight of a huge crowd of people vanishes into thin air. Does the cone vanish too? No. Oh, <laughs> oh wait, yes, it does. Yeah. Actually, it does. And because she throws it down in 16th century London because she's freaking out. That's I would have kept sad. the ice cream cone because it would have been the last good sort of artificial sweetness food I'll ever eat in my life. But anyway, right. I digress. So she's back in, in um, Elizabethan London, and she had found out from her grandmother that Jonathan um, Brandon was able to get a letter to her in a family Bible, basically saying, I am in... It, it is, it is um, 1559. Um, I'm safe and well, but I'm basically stuck in t- back in time. And her grandmother was able to purchase this Bible with the letter at an auction. So anyway, um, she knows that Jonathan Brandon was working for a hospital in London. And so she is able to find him after some harrowing events where she is, you know, kidnapped and she ends up in a brothel and she's able to escape. She has all these like close calls before she even gets to Jonathan Brandon. And it was really exciting and really just fantastic. And then she meets Jonathan Brandon and the story sort of changes course at that point and kind of becomes like historical fiction because through a series of events, um, Jonathan Brandon ends up um, assisting the queen with some medical issues she's having. So Queen Elizabeth, and it becomes a lot of court intrigue. Um, But there's also somebody who has evil plans for Anne because he figured out from items that he found of hers that she was actually from the future and he wants to possess the knowledge that she has. Um, So this book is part love story, part historical fiction, part, you know, sort of intrigue type story. Um, But overall, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But the book is quite good and there's a, a second book in the series. So if you want something that's time travel with a little bit of a difference and it has some historical fiction elements. Definitely try The Thornless Rose, Elizabethan Time Travel, book one by Morgan O'Neill. 
I have some other Morgan O'Neill stuff. Apparently, they write quite a bit of time travel. There's like a series of Roman time travel books, which makes me kind of excited. Yeah, and Italian ones too, I guess. Ooh. Yep. So there's Roman right. ones, Italian ones, but this is their Elizabethan time travel series. So cool. Yeah. So the next book I'm going to talk about is by an author I hadn't read until I read this book. So this is called The Dreamkeeper's Daughter by Emily Cullen. And yes, I realized that I spoke about, I'm speaking about two books that have the same kind of title, but they're not the same remotely in the slightest. No, no they're all. really not the same. It's just coincidental. So The Dreamkeeper's Daughter is about this lady, uh, Isabel Griffin, and she's a single mother of her daughter, Finn, because her boyfriend, as soon as she told him she was pregnant, disappeared. Classy. And, yeah, mm-hmm. very classy, right? You would think. But it, it's not that he, like, left her. It's that he disappeared. No one knows what happened to him, not even his own family. He's just gone completely. And, um, you know, she puts her life back together. She's living, you know, in an archaeologist. She's an archaeologist. She's with her daughter. She's fine. But a bunch of strange incidents start happening. And she wonders, you know, where maybe Max didn't leave. Maybe he's just in another when. When is he? Instead of where is he? The question is, when is he? And it turns out that he's back in a plantation in Barbados. Crazy, right? And so he's seeing his, he's able to communicate with his daughter in his dreams, but he can't figure out how to get back to his time and his girlfriend and child. And, you know, time is passing. So to figure out how he does it, we have to read it. The Dreamkeeper's Daughter by Emily Collin. And I have to say, one of the things I like about this book might be, unconventional maybe no one will say this but you know we're always reading about plantations at least in america it was interesting to read about a plantation somewhere else yes yes the barbados portions of this i think were my favorite parts of this book very 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 good um so you know pick it up it's definitely going to be completely different than what you thought i definitely yeah than what i thought it was definitely different from what i thought too yes but it's it's fabulous, and you will definitely enjoy the historical and time traveling aspects of it. Yes, I liked it. She has another book, and it has like memory or something in the title, and I don't know if it's time travel or if it's like past life regression. I'm um, afraid. I, I am too, but I kind of want to know what it is, so I'm I may afraid. have to give it a try. Yeah, we might. It, it's a compulsory. So, should we talk about Amy Harmon? Uh, Should we talk about Amy Harmon (laughs) and how you get to read this book before everybody else? Oh, sorry. (laughs) So this about her arc. Yes, we are. She has an arc. I do, (laughs) and it's beautiful. (sighs) So this is what the wind knows, and it is the latest novel from Amy Harmon. It will release on March first. So when this actually airs, um, you'll have to wait a while for this book. But I could not let the time travel episode go by without talking about this book because it is utterly amazing, as is pretty much everything that Harmon writes. So this is also about a woman named Anne, but a different Anne from the one that Stacy was talking about. This is Anne Gallagher, and she was raised by her grandfather and the two of them were very very close 
And she kind of grew up on these stories and songs and poems of Ireland. And so she feels like there's a, a part of her that just really belongs in Ireland, but she could never convince her grandfather to actually take her there. So the, when the book opens, her grandfather is dying. Aww. And he wants her to take his ashes back to Ireland. So once he dies, she travels to Ireland with her grandfather's ashes. I'm not quite sure what this is lately about books I'm reading where people are taking people's remains to other countries. Um, I read something else where someone took their grandmother's ashes to Cuba. Um, They do that a lot, and it's really expensive. I imagine, although it doesn't seem to be very expensive like in these books. But anyway, it's thousands and thousands of dollars. Not worth it. (laughs) So, So she takes her grandfather's ashes. And she's traveling around Ireland and she's learning kind of about her, you know, her family history. And she rents this boat and she decides that she's going to sprinkle her grandfather's ashes um, in, in the lake. But when she gets out into the lake, all of a sudden she is carried back to 1921. And in Ireland in 1921, there was a lot of upheaval. This is like five years after the Easter Sunday uprising when Ireland um, staged one of the famous battles for independence from Britain. So this is not like a great time that she returns to. And she is rescued by a doctor named Thomas. And Thomas lives in this kind of big manor house with an older woman and a little boy. And it turns out that the little boy is Anne's grandfather as a child. So her her grandfather was dead. And now all of a sudden her grandfather is six years old. So she ends up kind of, you know, fitting herself into, into this time and into this life. And she assumes the identity of a woman who disappeared some years before and she starts to fall in love and she really begins to question like where does she belong does she belong back in like the you know like now in 2001 which is when this book is is set or does she belong in the 1920s in Ireland and this is a fantastic love story Um, The historical aspects are very, very well researched. So if you love Amy Harmon, also, I do too. (laughs) But if you also love, you know, well done, like time travel, which is something (laughs) that I was not sure that Amy Harmon would write, kind of like Diane Chamberlain. Like there are just certain people that I don't expect to write time travel. And I'm very, very surprised when they do. And yet both of them. Um, have managed to do it so so well so pre-order yourself a copy of what the wind knows by amy Harmon, and count down the days until march 1st when everyone can read this and love it and like sing its praises and feel free feel free to in the meantime egg the windows of shannon's house (laughs) or talking about this book a month before we can why egg why egg them if we could just sneak into them and steal the art no i don't need to st- i just i need some vengeance i need uh, some revenge vengeance. yeah because... no, i just need to read the thing vengeance 
Uh, Vengeance it. is the fact that I live in 80 degree weather and she's on like sub zero temperature. That's good. Yeah, not right now. No, no, it's like 50 it's in the degrees 40s here. here yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like 90 here. So okay, yeah. well, yeah. it's all right. Yeah. I can go to the beach. Good. <laughs> anyway, I, I honestly though, Shannon, and also I'm really glad that you were able to read this because I, you know, I, I did question like, could Amy Harmon write a time travel and do it in a way that I would enjoy it? You know, yes. and and if if you're saying yes. I mean, just the thought of her beautiful writing in that time and with those extra, like, stressors right. and extra... I, I just... I can't wait now. It's March 1st. And there are these the lovely, like, Yeats poems that she puts, like, at the beginning of each chapter that kind of, like, tie Love into it. the story. It's so, yeah. so great. Fabulous. Well, the thing is, with authors like Diane Chamberlain and Amy Harmon... I mean, I have to say, the Diane Chamberlain book, I did not know it was going to be time travel. And I, I'm, I'm still upset that I had to spoil it because it needed to be on this episode. But women like that, those authors, you don't question. In my opinion, you don't question them. You just pick up the book. Yes. So the final book I want to talk about is one of the first time travel books I ever read. Um, this was before I was obsessed with like Karen Marie Monning and all of those time travel, all of her Highlander books and um, I hadn't read many time travel at this point. And so this book was really um, something special to me. And I, I, it's actually what made me start reading this author. So um, back in the 90s, so in a different century when I was young. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I read when this we were book, in college. Yes, when I was young and innocent and had my whole life ahead. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, I read this when book. When I was like and, five. Yeah, you're so funny. And I just really this it's what made me fall in love with this author's writing and it's called when lightning strikes by Kristen Hannah and yes, yes, yes. you know Kristen Hannah now is a much more serious more like a historical fiction writer she's very well known but back in the day when she first started writing she was a romance author and that's what she wrote straight romance and this book came out like in I think 1994 um, but it's one of those books that, again, has stood up to the test of time that I still read periodically because I love it so much. So I it's five. Yeah, you're funny. I was I think I read it when I was in college, though. Um, so like in 98. But anyway, this book is about um, a romance author named Lainey, and she has had a very challenging life. And the only thing that kind of keeps her grounded now is her daughter. Um, but her daughter goes away to a camp and now she's kind of on her own and trying to figure out how to fill this empty stretch of time. And so one night there's a, a violent storm outside and she just kind of the sadness and the loneliness get to her. And she takes she has several shots and she might have taken a couple sleeping pills and she's at her computer because as one does, you know, after taking several shots and drink, taking some sleeping pills, you know, you get up to write at your computer and all of a sudden, though, there's this bolt of lightning and um, she feels like her fingers are fusing to the keyboard and like that's very traumatic. And the next thing she knows, she's waking up, but she's waking up in the fictional town uh, in like the I don't know, like 1880s where she set her um, current novel and she wakes up and she realizes she's there just as the villain and um all of his little, you know, gang are going to rob this bank. And she's like, oh, my God, this is like the weirdest dream ever. But she's like trying to take in all the details because she's going to, you know, kind of put them in her book because this town is way more vivid than she thought it would be. And there's more sounds and smells and 
it's just, it's a much more um, vibrant place than she imagined. Anyway, she ends up in the middle of this bank robbery and she keeps saying things like, oh, it's fine. I know you're going to like not be able to, you know, and she like just keeps calling all these people out in this gang. <laughs> and she calls the, the villain Killian by his first name, John, that nobody knows. And he's like, what the hell? And so he ends up kidnapping her and taking her along when they flee the town. And she keeps thinking the hero of the book is going to rescue her from the villain. Well, what happens when you're in this strange time, you're in this, you know, you're traveling across the land on horseback and all these things keep happening to you. And all of a sudden you realize that the man that you wrote as a villain in your novel in real life is so much more. And is kind of one of those anti-heroes that many of us love to read about. So, um, this was just a delightful, just fantastic, you know, like classic kind of tortured hero, you know, intense, complex heroine book that is set um, in the middle of, you know, the old West. And it's just a lovely story. And it's called when lightning strikes by Kristen Hanna and everybody should read it. Cause it's really great. Yes, they should. Yes. I read it in college during a storm and it was snowstorm though, not rainstorm. Wasn't it great though? Didn't you love it? I did like it a lot. Yep. The I one did. thing that will always stand out for me in this book, and this is so stupid, <laughs> but <laughs> this is like so stupid. I don't know why I remember this. That book has the word masticate in it. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, I didn't even know that was a word. I didn't either. Until I read why? It. What was someone Spanish? trying to chew? I don't remember this. I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember. Like thinking, like, masticate, and I had to like look it up, oh and I'm God. like, "Wow!" Well, I know what it meant because of Spanish. I just didn't know it existed in English. Oh, oh that's awesome! Well, <laughs> masticating aside, um, it... <laughs> oh, it's a delightful book. I just um, my 13 year old retired guide dog is laying here, and I just laughed so loud I woke her up. So sorry about that. Sorry, my three year old dog was here masticating her Nyla bone. Oh well. <laughs> Masticating, yes. <laughs> we gotta stop saying that word. It just sounds dirty. It sounds anyway. so wrong. <laughs> it is such a wrong word. And speaking of romance novel authors, this author loves playing around with time travel. And I could talk about a lot of her books that have to do with time travel, but I'm going to talk about my favorite book. Yes, yes. It's one of my yes. favorite books of all time. And it is called Ta-da! Okay, Remembrance by Jude. Devereaux. Yeah, yeah, I love Jude Devereaux. Oh, yes. yes, I do. And I, I love this book just so much. I mean, I was, what, like 14 when I read it the first time, and then I read it as an adult. And I thought maybe it would change, but it didn't change. It made me feel the exact same way. So it's very timeless for me. And Remembrance is also about a romance novel, and her name is Hayden Lane. And Hayden has a problem. Like, she cannot She's great at writing romance novels. She's a bestseller, has a lot of money. Everything in her life is successful except for her love life. And no one knows why. I mean, she finds men that that want to date her. She dates them, gets engaged, and then somehow she ruins their relationship and she can't actually help herself. It's it's like compulsory. And and she writes about this character in her novels called Tavistock, and she doesn't know why she can't stop writing about this character. So eventually she says, you know what? I need to solve my life. So she goes to a psychic 
As one does. As one does. (laughs) Yes. Except, you know, this is a real sidekick, not one that charges you and, like, tells you all kinds of general stuff. (laughs) Because this is a fictional book, right? Right. So she she goes to a sidekick and, you know, the sidekick looks at her and says, wow, you, this is very complicated. This, this issue, you know, you're, you're not going to find your soulmate for three lives. What do you mean three lives? Hold on. I haven't even started living this one. I'm not even older. What am I what am I gonna do? Three lives? How can I fix it? And she goes, Well, you know, I don't know how you're gonna fix it, but I'm going to recommend you to a friend of mine who's a hypnotist and maybe they can help. So anyway, she goes and she gets hypnotized and she goes back in time. Now, this is a weird time travel book because it's not that she's going back in time to another time where people don't know her per se it's she's going back in time to her previous lives which i think is cool because i really love reincarnation and she's actually living in her previous lives and we it's kind of like time traveling but you know one life she goes in in the middle and she doesn't know what the heck is happening and then she goes to the life that that started all these issues and she literally lives her life from birth all the way to the end of it and, you know, that's like the second half of the book. And I'm not going to ramble. I know it's my favorite book. But this is Remembrance, Jude Devereaux. Timeless book. Beautiful love story. Beautiful time travel. Beautiful villains, even. It was just such a good book. And, you know, it really... You, you finish it and you really believe in, in soulmates. And, I mean, I gave it to my mother just to see if maybe I was being a kid. But she, it definitely puts the stars in your eyes. And I really like... Uh, it's probably the only Jude Devereaux book I've read that was in first person. And yeah. Some, yeah. Some people didn't like her, her observations about talent and things like that, but I wish Jude would write in first person more because it was so cool. I thought. Yeah. It was a totally different voice. Wasn't it like much more wry and funny and sort of yes. jaded. And, yeah. Yes. I loved it. it. Beautiful. I liked yeah. it. A lot of people didn't. Um, in re- if you read the reviews, but I thought it was cool, and oh, I, I and I think love it so that much. what she says about talent, as as somebody who's an artist, as a full time career, is so true. Uh, um, you know, and a lot of things that she said, I agreed with as far as creative process and things like that. So it's a great book, and it'll definitely brighten your world, and I don't know, make yeah. you want to find your soulmate like it did for me. I so, there's just something about her books though. I mean, A Knight in Shining Armor and Legend and Remembrance Legend. and the Summer House books. Oh, so many. The new book that she came out with, the I think the latest Summer the House. The Wishes. Oh, as uh, you wish. As you wish. I loved it. I so loved much. it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. All right. Well, this does it for us this evening. Thank you to Stacy and Natalia for sharing some fantastic time travel recommendations. I hope that all of our listeners have expanded their, their TBR piles a bit. I know that I have. Me too. Yes. Thanks, as always, to the fabulous Christine for her editing um, of these episodes so that people actually want to listen to them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, of course, thanks goes out to all of you who have joined us on the Book Bistro journey. We do so appreciate it. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, which we would also very much appreciate, you can do that um, on Apple Podcasts or whichever other platform you use to access the show. It will let us know how we're doing, but it will also, more importantly, help other people to find the show. And that would be a fantastic thing. And tell your friends. Yes. Yes, definitely. If you love the show, please let other people know so that they can find it. 
And I will be back on Tuesday morning with your guide to new releases and the Book Bistro team will be back next Friday with more bookish fabulousness. Take care, everybody.